Jason. I'm John. What was that music we just heard? That's the music. <laughs> That's from the Fantastic Four, uh, 1994, I think. Fantastic Four cartoon. You need to dig up the 19, was it 1967 one? I'm thinking about doing that. I, I, I kind of wanted to. I maybe even take some cues from some of the Fantastic Four movie soundtracks. And there was, uh, what was the other one? The 1978? But the 1994 theme song is, without a doubt, one of the best pieces of music ever composed. Does Herbie show up in the first 12 issues of this? No. Sorry. Okay. I think he's in the 1970s. Okay. Because... Yes, I know, because they didn't want kids to set themselves on fire no, once no, they no, saw no, it on no. TV. Oh, I don't care about Herbie. No, no, I was saying about what the theme song was so great. <laughs> because, because of the lyrics. The lyrics it? are amazing. Can't get no more. And then it says, that's ungrammatical. What? In the theme song, it says, Fantastic Four, can't get no more. And then underneath it, it goes, that's ungrammatical. Really? Yes. You shut your mouth. I love <laughs> no, that's ungrammatical. Uh, I love the theme song. Apparently. And that's why we're here today. It's our theme song now. <laughs> well, for these 12 issues, the next 12, we have no idea what we're going to do next. We're going to have to make up a Moon Knight theme. <laughs> God, help us all. I can use the Batman theme. Does it it backwards? Sure. I don't know. Louder? I don't know. It's pretty much the same. More He's... white? <laughs> Yeah, right. Good. Whoever thought that someone would say that about Bruce Wayne? Did you make him it's whiter? like this, but more white. Well, that's enough fun. Now it's time to read the issue. Oh yeah. Oh, oh this one's horrible, isn't it? Believe you mean great. Oh, great in the fact that it's horrible. I think you mispronounced that. Um, this is Fantastic Four number three from March of 1962. You know these long pauses that you're doing it just means more editing for me. You do uh, understand that, right? Yes. So yeah, I should say on mic so that all of our listeners, all four of them can hear this i've been editing where jason edited before which is why the first three episodes don't sound as good as any episode of the avenging hour i'm very lazy but i the only, the only way i agreed to do this again with john is if he did all the work but i have <laughs> to admit that after editing just two episodes my i doff my my topper to you for the work you did for the 3,400 episodes of the avenging hour that we did because it's it no, felt like that many didn't it it's no bueno no it's not fun because you think you know i had said to you i know i told you this many times <laughs> don't edit just run the file it's fine yeah and then you listen to it and you're like oh no <laughs> and once you start you'll take out a pause that's like three or four seconds long and you're like okay i'm not going to take out anything smaller than that and the next thing you know like every breath <gasps> yes and you're like oh i gotta get rid of all of that stuff and i don't don't take out as much as you did, simply because I'm even lazier than you are. <laughs> but I do. I mean, there are a lot of times when I started not taking out the ums. Yeah. Uh, not all. And but I still, you say those a lot. I still don't I know. <laughs> and so, if I say so one more time. <laughs> oh, I know. At least I'm not coughing like I was for a year and a half during <laughs> the Avenging Hour podcast. True. Not yet. Fingers um, crossed. Knock on wood together with your fingers crossed. Though I realized in, in the second episode you did a lot of... And I'm like, why are you sniffling? Stop it. Yeah, I always try to do that in between. Well, yes, you do. You do it in between so it's easy to cut. Yeah. This is the fascinating stuff that our <laughs> listeners really want to know about. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> anyway. Yay. Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four. Don't need no more. It's ungrammatical. Promise, please. We don't need any more. So, Fantastic Four number three is The Menace of the Miracle Man. The Miracle Man who is dressed like a stage magician, which is what he seems to be. Our issue opens with the Fantastic Four sitting in an audience watching the Miracle Man perform miraculous feats on stage. When I first saw the title of this, I think it's on, is it on the cover? Does it say something about Miracle Man on the cover? The cover just tells no, us that we now have costumes. There was a... 
And a Fantasticar. Maybe it was you just telling me that it was, oh, that's the Miracle Man issue. I immediately thought of Molecule Man. And then when I saw him, I thought of someone else completely. And I was so confused as I started reading this. A couple of things to note from the cover is the cover now tells us this is the greatest comic magazine in the world. That's not much hyperbole. No. Well, Stanley, not known for his hyperbole. No. So that's good to know. Also, we now have costumes, like these people are trying to become superheroes, and the flying bathtub that is the Fantasticar. Do you think that Jack Kirby hand-drew that logo? I could believe that, yeah. I'm trying to look and see if those two A's in Fantastic are the same, or the two T's. They're not. They're different. That was all hand-drawn. The the issue starts with, with the team watching an illusionist, the Miracle Man, who is floating in midair. He is the David Blaine of 1962. And everybody is just over the moon for him it's just fa- it's just amazing I it's said it was fantastic but it's not it's amazing it's a miracle it is a miracle he notices the fantastic four in the audience and he he picks them out i don't know how he managed to notice the thing yeah, that that disguise is impeccable the thing is wearing a scarf around his head just his face really not even the top of his head sunglasses and a- well nobody else standing right in front of the thing can ever pick out it's him when he's in his trench coat and 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 sunglasses that guy's wearing a disguise. hat made out of rocks <laughs> <laughs> And Johnny Storm looks like like a blonde Alfred E. Newman. I don't know what's going on with him. He looks in like he's in shock. <laughs> Wait, where am I? And, and I kind of he also looks like he's about ten years old. <laughs> I, I kind of have to have to ask: in a world where the Fantastic Four exists, and these, as we learned last issue, these people are celebrities. Yeah, how? exciting is what the miracle man can do i mean he can johnny burst into flame well we're gonna find out how exciting he is so the mar- i mean everyone needs entertainment right i guess but these people act like what he does is you know some act of god and it's like you're sitting in an audience with a person who can turn invisible a rock monster uh, a teen who can turn himself into living flame and a stretchy dude yeah but do they know that that's who those people are because they've never seen human torch not on fire I and mean, things obviously trying to disguise himself but the miracle man points them out he says hey look it's the fantastic four <laughs> i don't understand roll either. call and there they are each in their own little panel at the bottom yes the miracle man starts being like yeah you know the ff they're whatever but look what i can do and he grows to a giant size turns himself into a floating cloud and shoots lightning out of his hands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then he asks for a volunteer from the audience. No, I'm sorry, he does not. Then he continues to goad the Fantastic Four <laughs> until the thing rushes up on stage to prove that he's just as tough as the American. Let me add him why I oughta. My note on Johnny, you said he looks like he's 10. My note was that he looks brain damaged. <laughs> well, there's thing. something wrong I have, with him. I have kids. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never listen to this. So when the thing gets up on stage, the Miracle Man has two huge logs. Wide logs, like tree trunks. Yes. And the challenge is for he and the thing to shatter them. See who can break through it quicker. And the thing hits it three times and finally breaks through it. And we can again, we talked in the first episode about power creep. How, you know, people with creeps get powers. No. How people with... (laughs) Creepy people with powers. Yeah. How in the comics they start out as like a low level, like I'm stronger than that guy. And now they're stronger than any guy. And And the idea that the thing that we know would have to take three hits to punch through a piece of wood is a little hard for us to stomach. And in a case, the Miracle Man sticks a finger up his nose... He licked his finger? Licks the finger and then uses one finger to slice the log neatly and cleanly in two, which upsets the thing enough that he punches him in public, doing no damage to the Miracle Man, and then goes into some sort of psychotic rage that the rest of the team has to drag him away before he smushes the Miracle Man. Yeah. They jump in the Fantasta bathtub. Which has headlights... 
Which I guess is helpful, but and, I mean... And bottom lights, and aren't bo- they? Are those lights or... <laughs> I'm not sure if those are lights or if that's how it, it looks like lights. It's supposed to make it look like it's lifting up. I guess so, but they do look like lights. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the way headlights work is that it's light that shines off the surface of the road. If you didn't have the road there, the headlights wouldn't be very effective. Yeah, the light would, would just kind of dissipate. Yeah. The for with distance, yeah. So I'm not really sure how useful headlights on the Fantastic Car are, but... They're quite bright. In any case, the FF head home with Reed thanking whatever god of science it is he worships that the Miracle Man is not a menace to society because boy, oh boy, would they be in trouble. He says he is not a criminal, for if he were, he might be the one foe we could not defeat. They have defeated two out of two foes so far. It's an amazing have record. Have they defeated anyone? <laughs> <laughs> they have blown up an island and killed a person and then... Um, turned some aliens into cows it's a pretty decent record wait who did they kill the mole man well, they when didn't. they blew up his island they did well they think him. they did they're hoping they did they felt good about that too didn't they, they were so happy <laughs> yep straight up murder Woo! let's go home i think that was the original plan for the scrolls they just couldn't find another uninhabited island we need to find an island we can lure the scrolls to and then <laughs> them down it. in a hole and blow it up i would love it if every issue of the fantastic four they took their enemy to an <laughs> island and blew it up they're just burying people in the ground yeah. Get in there! The Miracle Man, though, much to Reed's eventual chagrin, has decided that he is going to be a criminal. He has all of this power. Why wouldn't he be a criminal? And so the first thing he does... There's already enough good guys. It's not like they're going to make a Fantastic Five. Exactly. That would be crazy talk. He looks out his window, and across the street is a movie theater with a giant, like, two-story tall, three-story tall mock-up of a monster. Mm -hmm. And he's going to bring that monster to life. As his unconquerable slave. Hey, Miracle Man, not cool. No slaves, not cool. Unconquerable slave. You going somewhere with that thought? That seems like a oxymoron. How can someone be a slave if they're unconquerable? Yeah, that's a good point. You would think that the the monster would be like, step off, Miracle Man. You're my slave. I don't think so. Yeah, right? Well, I don't think the... Well, we'll, we'll see the monster, but I don't think he has much in the way of a brain. Yeah, it's pretty much a, a model. The Fantastic Four comes home. They, they don't... <laughs> They return to their secret headquarters. It actually says that in the caption on the bottom there. Yes. How do they have a secret headquarters? Yeah, and this is what is obviously, they're not calling it that yet, but it will eventually become known as the Baxter Building. I think by the end of these 12 issues, they'll start calling it the Baxter Building. I believe it happens in issue... And it is... uh, Issue 6. And it is never a secret. Like, it is never portrayed as being a secret. Well, yeah, no. And it doesn't make any sense if they're such a public team. Like, the guy called them out. They're in the front row of this show. Obviously, people know who they are. And there's no attempt to hide the flying bathtub. Exactly. They're flying. They land on top of this building with someone going, well, that can't possibly be where they live. Oh, it's another flying bathtub. <laughs> but we get a cutaway. Of- I also want to know how they afford all of this. You're going to mention the cutaway of the multiple floors of this building that they own and yes. all the equipment that's in it. And yes. Where, where does the money come from? Yeah, the, well, we, we'll get a little bit of an indication of that in issue number 9 or 10. Okay. We'll talk a little bit more about their finances. But yeah, it's it's a wonderful... We see everything that they have in their headquarters. It apparently is at least... Four stories on top of this building that they own because we see three stories in those little arrows saying living quarters and laboratories on floors below. Floors. So at least five stories, I guess. Is this our first official Marvel uh, map layout thing? I believe so. And we will get another one of these before this year is out. I believe it's also in issue six. They really like to do cutaways at the headquarters. I believe it's on the same facing page at the bottom of the page as well. I like that they have a pogo plane. They have, I'm sorry, they have a long range passenger missile that can get. That to- sounds like it's not coming back. <laughs> right? <laughs> you don't really want to be in that. What's a passenger <laughs> missile exactly? But they have a anti vibration wall between it and the rest of the headquarters. 
but they do not have any anti-vibration walls between on the, on outside, the outside of the building. So I would imagine every time it takes off, that parts of the building just kind of crumble onto the street below. <laughs> Blows walls out. Yeah. You don't want to be near that. Oh, hey, we get a pinup page. Did oh. you have a pinup page in your I did, yeah. Yeah, it's Johnny Storm, again, looking horrible in his human form. I'm not sure what's going on there as a human. Kind of looks like looks some like sort of... Elf Monkey Man? I'm not sure what's going on. It's Elf Quest. Back to our story. Already in progress. <laughs> I think this is weird how they break this up into chapters. Yeah, they do that all through this. They they are constantly breaking up their stories into chapters. We didn't really talk about it in the first two issues. But they will do this all the way through this first year. I don't understand why that was a thing. It's not that long of a book. Yeah. I don't know why either. It seems to have been a 60s... Um, trope yes that they just carried over to the fantastic we just War. can't turn the page and be in a new place wait what is this a whole new story we would have gotten so confused yeah this is chapter two the monster lives the monster from mars the monster from mars this is the theater but we're not really concerned about that yet it, we the 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 chapter starts out with a mini splash half page splash of the of this this monster in front of the movie theater but then we immediately go back to the Fantastic Four headquarters where they are watching it on television it's the world premiere of the monster from mars it's a weird thing are they televising the movie itself or are they, they televising, televising everyone going everyone into at, the movie yeah at the premiere that seems odd i mean i guess they still do that with award shows and such but oh, not not movies. every movie that opens Look, there those people go in to see a movie you can't see yet. Well, thanks for joining us. I mean, they're showing it on television, so it's 1962. Television exists. Wouldn't they just be watching something on television? Well, they are. I mean... They're watching somebody watch something. Yes, exactly. But while they're watching this premiere, Sue comes out with a costume because she's a girl. It's her job, like the Wasp in the Avengers. Yes, she must make costumes for everybody. She even made a costume for The Thing. It is. It's a backwards motorcycle helmet? <laughs> yeah, with a scarf and a mechanics outfit. Like a jumpsuit. It's very weird. But we don't have much time to worry about the costumes because Johnny watching the TV, watching a like 74-inch television that apparently Reed has created for him, has noticed that the Miracle Man is at this premiere of The Monster from Mars and he gestures at this like two-story tall monster mock-up and it comes to life. That's impossible. It's a miracle. It's made out of wood and plaster. The cops say we can't stop it, even though it's only made out of wood and plaster. Look, it smashed our police car, even though it's only made out of wood and plaster. (laughs) And then, after it smashed the cops up a little bit, it disappears. Pop. Sure. Yeah, that makes as much sense as anything else. Pop goes the monster. And then the police find the note. Yeah, the Miracle Man has de- has sent the police commissioner a note saying, I, the Miracle Man, declare war on the whole human race. I intend to conquer the Earth. You Reach know- for those stars, Miracle Man. <laughs> <laughs> and I like the fact that he was going to declare war on the whole human race, but he just sent the note to the local police commissioner. Yep. Maybe he carbon copied? I don't know. Um, he doesn't have time to send it to everyone. Yeah, well, you know, you'd think you'd go at least the president. At least your senator. Before you go, just the police commissioner. Well, you'd think he'd at least be bringing to life more than one two-story tall creature, too. That's a good point. So, the fant- But the Fantastic Four are going to stop him. They call the, the police commissioner to say, we think the Miracle Man's a baddie. And that's when the police commissioner says, oh, we know. <laughs> oh, you think? So the FF all jump in their Fantastic Car, which we find out can split into four sections. Into four more ridiculous looking things. Are they more ridiculous? I mean, they're <laughs> kind of just like floating platforms that they have now. Well, they are in this issue. They go out after the monster. Mr. Fantastic is the first one to find the monster, which is robbing a jewelry store, as monsters from Mars are wont to do. He's hungry. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that what monsters from Mars eat? Yep. 
So Mr. Fantastic stretches himself out between two buildings to stomp the monster. Why didn't he just wrap himself around the monster? Like he does the and, thing. And hug him. He does manage to trap the monster, but the Miracle Man comes along and hits him in the head with a brick. <laughs> wails a brick right in his noggin. Ouch. So Mr. Fantastic has a concussion. Stretch this. And uh, he uh, obviously unstretches and the Miracle Man and his monster get away. Hand in hand. Reed goes to the police commissioner who berates him for failing at his task. Yeah. We're shown eventually that Reed Richard can like, in his pliable form, can like absorb bullets. So you would think that a brick wouldn't necessarily hurt him that much. Like it would bounce off his head. Yeah, but maybe he has to be paying attention. That could be. pretty sure Miracle Man took a pot shot, hit him in the back of the head with the... It's true. So Mr. Fantastic says, look, I know I'm a loser. But I have three other partners. And but I'm a scientist. Look at my pipe. Hopefully at least one of them is not a loser. Speaking of losers, hey, look, it's the military trying to stop a creature made out of wood and plaster. Well, it's after their atomic tank. Yeah. I don't think we actually... Do we have atomic tanks? Is the atomic tank uh, fueled by jewelry? <laughs> No, I'm assuming it's got a little nuclear reactor at it, because mm. that seems safe. Yeah. So the Human Torch has found it, found this monster, which has picked up the atomic tank. Uh, until the Human Torch comes along, it grabs the Human Torch. Oh, and we're in another chapter. Wait, what happened? What? We're now in chapter three, The Flame That Died. So Sue and Ben Grimm are popping along. Ben Grimm, they, they see Johnny fighting this monster. They, they land. Ben Grimm, of course, rips most of his costume away, so he's just now in blue diapers. Mm-hmm. But before they can go to help Johnny, the torch burns the monster to nothingness. Because it was made of wood and plaster. And he's apparently the first one that was able to hurt it. I don't understand. Are those soldiers still... Sh- are they shooting at him, or are they shooting at... Oh, no, they're shooting at Human Torch now. They're shooting. Yeah, the soldiers seem confused. They shoot at the Human Torch until some uh, army brass tells him to stop doing that. But there's the Miracle Man again. This time he shoots a fire extinguisher some kind of chemical foam at the human torch and puts his flame out just a hose i don't i'm not sure what it is but whatever it is it makes the human torch not very torchy anymore and he falls to the ground Mm -hmm. splat the thing goes after the miracle man who causes the earth to open up underneath the thing the thing falls into it so now both the thing and the torch are out of the fight and the miracle man jumps in the atomic tank and gets away what he doesn't know is that an invisible, invisible girl is hiding in the tank on the truck with him. Yeah, sure. Why not? Chapter four, In the Shadow of Defeat. There's Reed Richards looking much older all of a sudden. <laughs> He's now 54 years old. Uh, did you look at the lampshade that's on the on the table there? Oh my gosh, their lampshade has fours in it. I did not see that. It's like being at a Disney resort with hidden Mickeys everywhere. Yep. That's amazing. I wonder how much branded things Reed has in their headquarters. <laughs> Everything with just fours on it. <laughs> That's wonderful. So Johnny Storm apparently took a shower, I guess, to get the chemical foam off of him. And Thing and Reed are wondering what to do. And that gives Thing a chance to recap their origin yet again. Wait, hold on. Before we get back into the origin from Ben's point of view, Johnny says, why did you let her, why did you let Sue tackle the Miracle Man by herself? Because she radioed them and told them. They let her do it? Well, yeah. Why would you let the woman, why would she, she has to ask permission from a man before she could do anything. (laughs) But who let her do it? Well, they, I'm surprised they're not like, wait, we didn't let her do it. She did it on her own. She's going to be grounded. (laughs) (laughs) No more allowance for you, Sue. She didn't ask us if she could go. Who's going to make dinner tonight if Sue's off fighting the Miracle Man? That's a classic Kirby pose there with Thing, too. Standing with his back turned and his arms clasped behind his back. Yeah. He used to do that with the Mad Thinker and Red Ghost and everybody else who was short and fat. (laughs) Sue must have made, must have made multiple copies of his uniform because he's back in his uniform, even though we just saw him destroy it. 
a few pages ago. It's just but so comfortable. The thing recaps their origin. We already recapped it. I'm not going to talk about it again. It's different, though, because he tells it from his point of view, which is, I don't know, dumber? Meaner? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's pretty much the same thing, except none of it was his fault. And exactly. It always reads. Yep, yep. And Reed sucks. But it does get, yeah, it gives the thing a chance to be like, oh, woe is me. You guys are so lucky. You get neat powers. And I'm a, and I'm a big rock monster. And Reed's like, neat powers? Have you seen what I can do? I'm silly. Or at least that's what Reed should say, because let's be honest, stretching powers are silly. Yeah, but he takes himself way too seriously. He really does. And he was like, if I was still human, Sue would love me instead of you, Reed. Which flies in the face of everything we've seen so far about Sue and Reed, who apparently have been childhood sweethearts since he was 12 and she was two when we haven't learned that yet haven't they talked about how no. they were the only thing they said is that like she's his fiance oh well but she was his fiance but they barely even talked to each other so well, how true <laughs> and ben's like she would love me if i was human and johnny's like ha ha she would never love you because you're a big ugly dope and they start to fight the thing tries to punch him johnny flames on and goes away and says you know what thing i'm done with you i quit Mm-hmm. You can take this job and shove it. I ain't a working here no more. <laughs> Meanwhile, back to the Miracle Man. At the junkyard that the Miracle Man apparently owns. Yeah. For some reason, he drove the atomic tank to a junkyard where he also keeps his plot dog. <laughs> his deus ex dog. <laughs> yes, who's Dogus ex machina? <laughs> yes. Uh, who has sniffed out Sue. So even though she's invisible, the dog knows he's there. He starts growling at nothing. Which dogs never do. So the Miracle Man is like, oh, must be the invisible girl. I'm going Obviously. to. Obviously. What else could it be? And he commands her to become visible, which she does. And he apparently takes over her mind. Wait, Had- why was he covering the atomic tank up with old beat up cars? Yeah, what is he doing? Why is he hiding the tank? Yeah, if he's so powerful. Jason, he has power unto a god. Why would he need to, to rob a jewelry up? store and steal a tank? I don't know. Why would he need to use a brick to beat Mr. Fantastic or chemical I, foam to beat the torch? It's weird. It's like something in his story doesn't add up. Yeah. In any case, he has Sue shoot out the flare gun, and Mr. Fantastic and the Thing see it. They start heading over in the Fantasticopter. Let's take a moment. Does let's, it have a four on it? Let's just take a break. If you're going to name everything you own after your superhero name, take a cue from Batman. Who it's one syllable, yeah. bat. It's yeah. easy to put bat in front mm. of everything. Agreed. Trying to put fantastic in front of everything is painful. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. I don't like it. It's no good. All right, everyone. I've gathered you together here so we can go over our fantastic insurance policy. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic shark repellent. It doesn't work. You have to leave off the, the C at the end. It has to be fantastic something. Fantastic shark repellent. Fantastic sharks. Yeah. I don't, it's not working. No, not at all. It kind of works with copter and car because the first letter is a C. C. Yeah. They could get a train to have the fantastic caboose. They already have Sue. She's got a fantastic caboose. (laughs) Out bad. Hashtag me too. I'm uncomfortable now. (laughs) Just a drawing, man. I'm trying to think of other things we can, with a C that we could put. Let's not. They should get a pet, the fantastic cat. If they go fishing, anything they catch is the fantastic catch. They're they're whole at the end of the day. Especially if it's a carp. Fantastic carp. Oh my gosh, why don't they have an aquarium? (laughs) You see them pointing them all out. That's our fantastic catfish, and that's the fantastic (laughs) carp. We have some fantastic coral in the background. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) This is why everyone hates the Fantastic Four. <laughs> Reading the thing head out in the Fantastic Copter while Johnny is sucking down chocolate malts at the... Outside corn- the Tasty Freeze? At the corner soda fountain when one of his beret-wearing friends points out the flare signal. So Johnny goes flaming off. He comes. He goes flaming off to Chapter 5. He goes flaming off. The Final Challenge. 
where Miracle Man is threatening them with the key to the city. Yeah, the Miracle Man has Sue behind him and is holding Reed and the thing at key point. I... He's got a giant key, and when the thing is like, Reed's holding the thing back, the thing's like, it's just a key, and Reed says it must be more than that, it's actually a machine gun, and it turns into a machine gun. And at that point, you say, what, now you're just showing off, Miracle Man. No, at that point, I go, why wasn't it just a machine gun to begin with? Exactly. Why would you even need to make it a key? Did he steal the key from the copter? Is it like a wind-up key? (laughs) (laughs) Ha ha, now you're trapped here. So he starts shooting at Reed, who turns into a bouncing ball, and manages to dodge them. And then the thing jumps in, and he just shoots the thing. But it can't keep him down. And the Miracle Man, I guess, realizes that if he can't stop the thing with gunfire, it's time to get the heck out of Dodge. So he grabs Sue, jumps in the atomic tank, and takes off from under that collection of junked cars that he had put over the tank. He's like the Coors Light silver bullet. Fantastic Coors? Reed and Thing are going to chase him in the Fantastic Copter, but Torch tells them... But he stole the key. No... Because the Miracle Man, Fantastic Cut, the drive, fan- the Fantastic Cable. So instead, they jump in a jalopy because it's a junkyard. There are jalopies all over the place. Apparently a racing one. It has a number on the front. 35. They go chasing after him in the jalopy. The Miracle Man shoots out one of their tires with a machine gun, but Reed turns himself into a tire. <laughs> That's got to so feel can- delightful. <laughs> so painful. Oh, at, it- least he did- at least he was smart enough to have his head sideways so his face wasn't... <laughs> We really have to stop him. It's hard for me to believe this guy was stopped by a brick in the head when he's able to be a tire. Mm, yeah. And in any case, the torch zoom flies away ahead of the of the tank and does a big blast, uh, this big flash of light. Like a flare. Like a flare. Blinds the Miracle Man. And everyone runs up. And the thing's about ready to punch the Miracle Man when, when Reed stops him and says, you can't punch him, you'll kill him. He and already th- punched him once and didn't kill him. That's what the thing says. And Reed's like, but I know what his true power is. And he tells the Miracle Man, hey, release your hold on Sue or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn the thing on you. Which pretty much has been Reed's threat to almost every villain they faced. Do what I'm, I tell you or the thing gets I'm you. I'm hugging him now, but I don't have to. <laughs> he will fantastic kill you. See, it works with K's too. It does. <laughs> They can fly the fantastic height. <laughs> the Miracle Man releases Sue from his hypnotism when we find out the Miracle Man has no superpowers. He's just a super hypnotist. Mm-hmm. And everything he's done in this issue, except the brick, the chemical foam, and the gun... Was hypnotism. Was hypnotism. Wait, the gun was hypnotism because it was a key. Well, making them think it was a key was hypnotism, but the gun was a real gun. Oh, it was actually a gun. He made them... Why did he make them think That's it was That's what a I'm key? talking about. It doesn't make sense. Unless... It also doesn't make sense that people were watching this on television and they saw that creature come to life. Are you going to tell me that he mass-hypnotized everyone that was watching it on TV? Yeah, none of this makes sense. You also have to... Like, we saw this creature destroying police cars. Mm-hmm. So so everyone that saw it believed that it destroyed a police car. But when he and the, when the monster... And, and the, picked up the atomic tank. Yeah, exactly. When the, when the monster and the Miracle Man disappeared after, after the attack with the police cars, did everyone else there still think the police cars were destroyed? Or did they all of a sudden go, wait a minute, that police car's fine? Yeah, I don't know. It seems really weird. Also, the Human Torch destroyed this, this statue, this wooden plaster mm-hmm. creation... Apparently miles from the movie theater. Did right. he really destroy it? Because it shouldn't have moved. Yeah. So did he just think he destroyed it? Is he just and and were the soldiers shooting at Human Torch because they're like, hey, there's a guy up in the sky flying around on fire, that looking like he's destroying something that isn't really there. And if so, so I like I don't want to know the range of this hypnotism because I don't understand it. the The range and how long it lasts. Well, and so if if the Human Torch, the Human Torch was able to st- to destroy this thing because it was made of wood and plaster. 
But if it wasn't actually there, because it's still back at the movie theater, because it never moved, because we only thought it moved because of the hypnotism, mm-hmm. then why didn't the Miracle Man make the Torch believe he couldn't destroy it? Right. Because it wasn't actually made of anything, because it didn't exist, so you could make him believe it was made of, I don't know, diamond or... It could have been a hundred monsters attacking him. Yeah. And it wouldn't have mattered. So it's like, well, you you set arbitrary rules on your powers, Miracle Man. And ostensibly, didn't they see him in his show, and then they went home and went to bed, and they got up the next day, and this premiere thing was on. So all the stuff that happened at his show was hypnotism, making him believe all that stuff happened. And then they went to bed, and they woke up, and they still believed that all that stuff had happened. And I believe we've probably all been to a hypnotist. Have you been to a show with a hypnotist? Yeah, sure. And first of all, you can't... I lived in Vegas for five years. You are a hypnotist. They're like everywhere. And and first of all, we know that not everybody can be hypnotized. Yeah. And second of all, we know that to hypnotize people, they have to kind of buy in. Right. And, and they have to be paying attention. Yes. There's a, there's a process to it. And you can't just be like, I hypnotize you. And you're hypnotized. I can't come home from work having no idea of who the Miracle Man is. Come home, turn on my television and see this movie premiere and this monster come to life. It doesn't work that way. No. No. So none of this makes sense. But that's okay. They've caught the Miracle Man. He's going to jail. They caught someone? And the thing immediately starts arguing with the Torch again. And the Torch was like, hey, wait a minute. I quit this group. And he flies off, leaving us to wonder, next issue, what about the Torch? What will he turn against mankind? There is no next issue. That's the end of the Fantastic Four. They broke up. Oh, don't you wish. Fantastic Three doesn't sound as good. Oh, one more thing about the hypnotism. (laughs) The Miracle Man also had this creature break into a jewelry store so he could steal jewels. Yeah. But he could, the creature couldn't break into the jewelry store because he wasn't there. Because it didn't actually move. Yes. So how did the Miracle Man steal jewels? Well, we never actually saw the jewels. Oh, that's a good point. All right, fantastic. We have the... Fan- I mean, it did smash a hole in the wall of the store, but... We have... The, you just thought it did. Mm-hmm. It's the Fantastic Four fan page. It's our first letters column. We get a letter from Alan Weiss. Remember Alan Weiss? He will draw two issues of the Avengers where they fight the Molecule Man. I was just going to ask if I knew that name. And the second issue, co-star, or not co-stars, cameos the Fantastic Four. Does it? Yeah. I don't remember that. They try to break through the Molecule Man. Silver puts Surfer's a, in it, right? Yes. The Molecule Man puts a dome around his, his headquarters. Right. And the FF are trying to break through the dome. Oh, from outside. Spoiler alert, gotcha. they do not. Right. I don't think his letter is very interesting. Are any of these really? No. Well, issue three. We also get an unsigned letter. <laughs> is that a, is that a letter from Saul Brodsky down there at the end? <laughs> that is a letter from Saul Brodsky. <laughs> did he write the letter while he was sitting next to them, or did he not work there yet? Well, his editor <laughs> says, are you the same ones who also put put out and it lists like all their other comic books <laughs> um if so how do you do it so you know he wrote this at his desk and yeah. was like here stan stick this in the letters column oh we wait. need to fill some space we have other comics let's remind them there's an unsigned letter here from someone who says you got a heck of a nerve making a doll like susan storm invisible and probably from i don't know brett cavanaugh or harvey weinstein it's creepy I mean, you can still see her. They do the dotted line thing or make her and, she, and she's not invisible that often, let's be honest. Or in the comic that often, let's be honest. It's not like she's any more helpful when she's visible. Bill Serrell of Boston points out that Jack Kirby can do much better artwork. This is true. Agreed. When he's not drawing 16 comics a month, he can do much better artwork. I'm sure he'll get there eventually. But the rest of the letters really aren't that interesting. They do have a note at the bottom telling us that they receive so much mail that they cannot engage in correspondence with readers. Did they ever? Did people? Did comic books do that? Because you wrote a letter to Stan and you and Stan became pen pals? Uh, yeah. Really? I used to write letters to Mark Grunewald and he would write me back. Wow. Okay. Well, they don't. They can't do it. Mark Grunewald might be able to, but Stan Lee's busy. <laughs> Mark Grunewald definitely can't. Well... <laughs> 
<laughs> Stanley is writing and editing 14 books a month. He does not have time to be your pen pal. It's issue three. Good that issue. was great. It is, isn't it? So, The Miracle Man, where do they go from here? We're not going to see... This is going to surprise you. We don't see The Miracle Man again in the next... What? Before the end of, of year one. Do we see him again ever? In 1973, he comes back. It takes them 10 years before he comes back. Does he have a crossover with his uh, twin brother, Count Nefaria? <laughs> they both dress very... Uh, Impeccably? Yes, and, and very professionally. That's, they are not casual. Mm-mm. I think the problem with the Miracle Man, the reason he doesn't come back for 10 years, is first of all, his powers are stupid. He doesn't really have any powers. It's more of a talent. And he's not given a personality in this issue. So you don't want to bring him back to work on his personality because he doesn't have one. And you don't want to bring him back to use his powers again because he doesn't have powers. He's a hypnotist. Yeah, I can understand why he wouldn't come back the first year. He's really not that impressive. And as you get more and more into the 70s and people know more about hypnotism, I think you have probably more and more people going, well, this is just dumb. So what happens to him in the 70s? Does in the he 70s, get hit he gets, by like a radioactive bat across the head or something and gets actual powers? He does get actual powers. I believe he steals them from some Native, some Native American tribe. He steals he, powers, yeah. like in a chest somewhere? He does some sort of... Hypnotism? Rit- some sort of ritual... He hypnotizes the comic book editors, and they give him powers. No, it's some sort of like ritual for some Native American thing, and he sure anyway. And he becomes matter. Red Wolf. No one really cares. He gets powers. He fights the thing. He fights the defenders. But he's only in a handful of comic books, and he is killed by who? Mm, Scourge. Scourge. Because that was the whole point of Scourge in the 1980s. Kill off useless comic book villains. <laughs> Cleaning up the messes. And the Miracle Man is number one on that hit parade. Is he the first one he kills? No, but no. he should be. I mean, when you're looking at useless villains, like a lot of the villains that Scourge killed are actually kind of, if they don't have personalities, they at least have neat gimmicks. But the Miracle Man has nothing. Or weird costumes or, yeah. Yeah, he has no costume. He's got a boring, uh, he's got no real powers and he has no personality. I'm actually surprised that he was on Scourge's hit list. Like, why would he even bother with the guy? What's really scary is, for no, another reason why Brian Michael Bendis is a monster, is... Uh, <laughs> where, where did that come from? In the early aughts when Brian Michael Bendis has the hood running around the Marvel Universe in every comic book he writes. The Hood uh, resurrects the Miracle Man. Well, that just seems useless. Right? <laughs> there are so many more interesting villains. I mean, Hood already had a huge gang of useless villains. Why would he need to... Don't get me started on The Hood or Brighton Michael Bendis. Mm-hmm. Closing thoughts. Yeah. There are parts of the first two issues that I like. Right. They are very rough, but there's things about them I like. The only thing I like about this issue is we get costumes and a headquarters and a fantastic car. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, he is the weakest villain they have in the first 12 issues. And the first 12 issues include Kurgo, Master of Planet X. Miracle Man is what? the worst. Where is that? I didn't get to that yet. I think it might be number seven. <sighs> He's no personality. He has no motivation. He has the most ridiculous powers we've ever seen. And we've seen a man who can pull bell cords and summon giant, giant monsters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At the same time, I will say this. He's the closest thing to a supervillain we've yet seen in this comic. So that's something. I think it's more out of boredom, though. He just... Yeah, well, that could be. What do you think of it? What, what's our thing at the end of these? Uh, would you continue would reading Would you keep it? reading? Oh, no. I think I gave up last issue, though, didn't I? Yes, you did. Yeah. The only reason I would keep reading this is because the torch left. And oh, so there's a bit of a mystery at the there end. There is a bit of a mystery, and and you know, to <laughs> he's be, not really though. He's just a petulant child. So, but to be honest, this isn't the kind of thing that you would see in most comics. You know, there wasn't an issue of the Justice League, and I've read the 1960s Justice League. There's never an issue of the Justice League where Batman's like, "Screw you guys, I'm going to go join the Outsiders." He does that in the 80s. He doesn't, you know, in the 60s, these teams were all buddy buddy best friends. You know, oh, we love each other. I guess it's just weird that it happens in the third issue. Like, I don't feel like there's enough of a backstory for us to care. I feel like that cuts both ways. In the, in the On the one hand, you're right. 
We don't really know these characters well. They're just developing personalities, so it's a little early to break up the team. On the flip side of that, this is also new. There's no reason to believe that the Torch would come back next issue. Well, except that his sister's on the team. The only one that I could believe... But they've never talked to each other. In three issues, I don't think they've yet exchanged any dialogue. The only one I could believe that would leave would be the thing. And they're setting it up that he would want to leave. And he's, I'm a monster. Nobody likes me. And, and you guys are mean to me. And it's all your fault. Like, why isn't he left already? Because, like most people that whine and moan all day long, he'll whine and moan, but he'll never go anywhere. You know, I've learned, if there's one thing you learn when you work retail, it's that the people that complain about their job all the time never quit. It's the people that never say anything. So we're just supposed to go on the premise that Johnny's the hothead of the group? Ha ha ha! Next time. Yeah. Issue four? Issue four. We have a pattern. Cool. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yes, thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at yearonecomics at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at Year One Comics, and you might be able to find us on Facebook. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? All right, thanks for listening. Yeah, I said that already. Adios. Bye bye.